Welcome to Muse and Hearth, a podcast for women cultivating their minds as well as their homes. I'm Lydia Fukushan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Valerie Abraham. Hello. Today, we're going to be talking about hospitality, and specifically about the novella Babette's Feast. And the movie. And the movie. Yes, that's true. So we're going to jump in. Uh, We will probably be doing two or three episodes on hospitality in the coming weeks. It's a topic that's a favorite of ours, and we've got a couple great books to discuss and some hopefully some practical ideas to bounce back and forth um, on the on the topic overall. So but starting in with Babette, um, hopefully a movie and or novella that you've read seen (laughs) too many slashes there. Um, If you haven't just a warning, we will be um, presenting some spoilers in this episode. So if you haven't seen it, you might want to just push pause and go go, watch it. Yep. Go watch the movie, um, read the novella and, and then come back and join us. And I will say if you have time to only do one, I actually think this is one of the, I do not usually hold to this position, but this is one time where I think the movie does such a good job of capture, capturing the novella and in some ways even interpreting the spirit of the novella better than the novella does itself, if it's possible to say that. Uh, I if agree. you can only do one, yeah, do yeah, the movie. Yeah, I agree. The, the movie itself is its own work of art. Mm-hmm. It is yes, very absolutely. understated, but very beautiful and moving and definitely worth a watch. So. Mm-hmm. And the novella is short, so you can probably yeah. just fit it in there too. But yeah. but go find the movie. Um, you can uh, rent it on Amazon Prime, I think. Well, or uh, I. That's what I just discovered. We had rented it on Amazon Prime. It looks like it's not available right now, but um, iTunes might have it. Okay, I've you seen can it. buy it on Amazon. Okay, the DVD, physical DVD. And I've seen it on the um, the HBO Max app. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on there, but um, and it, it it does it is available in a couple different languages. So that's something mm-hmm. that's interesting yes. and is actually a fun way to rewatch it is to watch it in a different language. Yeah. Um, let's see. Original language was Danish. I Danish. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the author is Danish. And it honestly is a really special watch to watch it in Danish mm-hmm. with English subtitles. Yeah. Um, the version that I have right now is dubbed over in English, I think. Mm. Um so, which is fine too, but um, the Danish adds, it definitely adds something. <laughs> it fits very well with the character of the movie and even just the style of the cinematography as well. That very austere and yet musical. Yeah, yeah. Aesthetic. It's, um, and that, that austere aesthetic actually is an interesting um, kicking off point for our discussion too, mm-hmm. I think, because there is a, um, there is an austere feel to the whole movie up until the end and then the final scene which is a feast which mm-hmm. is really lavish you know feast. yeah it is a lavish feast unlike you've had, and any you've seen basically um it's such a such an intense counterpoint um so anyway it it, it becomes this really climactic moment yeah. in the in the movie um and is uh it's related to our topic of hospitality um because 
it is the hospitality of the feast itself that basically breaks through the austerity of the mm-hmm. previous, um, the whole rest of the movie yeah. and, and who these people are. Um, so that's just, it's exciting when yes. you get to that point because you're like, oh, there it is. And it's, yeah, <laughs> it's through her hospitality that we get to see so much uh, or get her a glimpse into the nature of grace and gratitude. Um, and generosity, yes. um, among other things, just giving, yeah. giving, and uh, art itself. The yeah. name, what it means to give away your art in a way. And I don't know if you feel this way when you watch it, Valerie, but the I feel that the the humans in the movie become more human. They become fully embodied, if that makes sense during the course of the feast like you really don't yes. feel the humanness of them there's something that's uh-huh. a little untouchable a little platonic or you know mm-hmm. that's just um the austerity that they live in because they're they're a, a, a protestant sect that mm-hmm. really values this austerity and asceticism yes. um and they've they've lived it their whole life um and there's something about the lavish generosity and grace of this feast they're being given that just uh, humanizes them in a unique way and give and creates a certain form of fellowship that they Mm -hmm. haven't had in a very long time Mm -hmm. if at all Mm -hmm. i think so it makes them more real their lives are more real which is the nature of creation that we often i think through a sort of gnosticism try to deny um before we go further and talk about the themes should we do kind of an overview bird's eye view of the probably should to give up give some point before we get too excited (laughs) (laughs) i will i will interject that the movie i think will inspire you if you haven't seen it 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 emotionally inspires um the desire for this kind of feasting and hospitality Mm -hmm. and grace and it just makes you hungry for it (laughs) It makes you hungry for the feast (laughs) i I first saw this movie when i was i think still a child and i've seen it a number of times since then and i think it is possibly my favorite movie Mm. it's it's very tangible five if yeah it's a very tangible film um Mm -hmm. as far as my memory of it also yes. because I think I probably watched it as a teen first and then yeah. many times since it really then. it really changes how you think about the things that the movie is talking about mm. it doesn't just leave you indifferent yeah uh, so I guess kicking into a little summary of what's going on just in case you haven't seen it and you yes. haven't gotten a chance because um, and you don't mind spoilers right because <laughs> here they come <laughs> um I think um in in brief the main players are two sisters, Martine mm-hmm. and Philippa, um, who are the daughters of a character who goes by the Dean. And he has passed away um, yes. after after just the very beginning scenes mm-hmm. of the movie. He raised his daughters um, in this Danish village, mm-hmm. I think. And um, in a very austere lifestyle, they do, um, their goal is to please and honor God, but mm-hmm. they are definitely, you know, uh, ascetic clothing, ascetic right. um, menu. You find out that they just eat very simply. Yeah. Um, the Their main dish, one of them is ale bread. Yes. It's like a <laughs> stew or like a, not a stew, but like a bread pudding. Like dry bread, I think, with ale yes. cooked together. And it just bubbles and makes yes. this mush. A glop. <laughs> yes. Uh, in the movie, there is a great scene where they teach 
Babette, who's another character we're going to be talking about, how to make this ale bread. And you can see the look on her face of just trying to politely, (laughs) um, politely absorb the information um, that they're presenting her with, but it is not very tasteful dish. (laughs) Yes. I love the description in the book, something about her face going expressionless as she watched them make the dish. (laughs) Yes. And the reason that she feels this way, uh, we find out, is that she is a highly trained chef. Mm -hmm. Um, And they don't know this about her, which creates a lot of mystery in the movie itself. Um, You know that she has a secret. Yes. The introductory letter says simply at the end of this long letter introducing her and why she's a refugee coming to them. It just says, Babette can cook. And that's literally all it says. Again, understated, austere, very simple, which is the the feeling of the whole movie at first. Um, And she comes to them, as you mentioned, as a refugee Mm -hmm. from the... um, and the um, embroiled yeah. status of France, right. basically. Paris Commune revolution under, yes. I think, Napoleon III. Having lost her husband and son. And, son. Mm-hmm. and all of her her position, because she was a great chef in right. Paris. And so was much renowned and appreciated by the who's who. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, as revolutionaries, her husband and son were executed or killed in, mm-hmm. I don't know, in a fight. Um, but um, she loses all and is sent to these sisters as a favor. Turns out she is sent by Achille Papin, who is, um, was one of the sisters' voice teachers early on in life. Uh, he visited, you find that people visit this yes, commune and then sort of leave. drawn in for they a get, time. Yeah, and he fell in love with her and taught her to sing. Mm-hmm. And then left and has when never been back. She dismissed him basically once she realized that there was something more than pure she was platonic. Frightened by yes. his his love for her, right. basically. Yeah. So she rejected then her opportunity, her suit, or her opportunity for earthly love because she earthly wanted the love aesthetic and love. earthly fame because right. he wanted to take right. her to Paris and make her. He a star. believed that she would be yes the 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 vedette the the yeah the great star of yeah. the Paris Opera yeah. Um, and and she basically felt that she ought her duty was to deny right, that right. Um, so and, which is a, a very interesting theme, I think throughout the whole right. thing of this idea of duty and laying down your life and well, not to give away too much of the end, but this theme of ironically she doesn't even though they have sacrificed the most they end up still being the ones with the most full lives at the end. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. So it's not, it certainly is not, um, it's not hedonist in its approach to life. You know, it's not saying, well, no, you must grasp at everything and have it now. It's quite the opposite. And it provides a critique of asceticism. I think I started to mix up aestheticism earlier. Right. I meant asceticism. Yes. Um, It provides a critique of asceticism, but but not in a, a, how could you even think that? Like it's showing that these women have truly sought to love God. Right. And And serve their neighbor. And, and it has been blessed ultimately. Exactly. Um, their misguided, perhaps, theology has been blessed more than the hedonism of others, and yet they still need Babette's grace, in a way. Right. Her gift 
to show them the beauty of creation that they've been rejecting. And it just it just um, fills out their their humanity and also right. their love for God. And, right. Yeah. And and that actually is a great. Um, segue into the final character. Yes. Sorry, I keep getting distracted because yes. I love it so much. <laughs> it's so good. Just gotta watch <laughs> This it. character. Yeah. Uh, General Lorenz Lohenhelm um, is the other character who mm-hmm. ends up, uh, you find out, he's fallen in love with Martine, the other sister, mm-hmm. early on also. He's another one of those characters that comes in at the beginning, right. stays for a while, and then leaves. And Realizes he can't have his ultimate desire right. of marrying her. And his falling in love with her has changed him, which is interesting. He was kind of lost and um, unsure of his way in life as a young man comes, falls in love with Martine, sits among all of the disciples of the Dean and Mm -hmm. learns with them. And then when he sort of, he leaves a little jaded and dissatisfied and decides that he's going to grab life by the horns and get everything he ever wanted. And he does. And he does. Or so he thinks. Right. (laughs) Oh, and then this. (laughs) I shouldn't read the quote yet, but there's a fantastic quote. Yes, we do need to bring that one up. Um, But basically, he he becomes a general. Mm -hmm. He's very successful very wealthy. Mm-hmm. In fact, you discover that he has eaten at this very fine yes. restaurant that Babette was cooking, at the, was the chef for. He marries a lady-in-waiting to the queen of Denmark. Yes. It's, you know, he's so climbed he the pinnacle. he has yeah. everything that he ever wanted. And Babette's feast, title of the movie, mm-hmm. brings these people back together. Now, Eshia Papin doesn't come back, mm-hmm. but it's he almost comes back in the form of his letter introducing Babette, right. I feel like. Right. And the general happens to be visiting his aunt, who in her younger years was a disciple of the dean mm-hmm. as well. And so um, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. Why is Babette having a feast? I think we should probably, we should. <laughs> we should probably talk about that. See, this is the problem when you love something so much, it's actually really hard to talk about it in a disengaged <laughs> summary. <laughs> like, but wait, there's more. <laughs> so. Um, so Babette, a refugee, comes and lives with Martine and Philippa. And... They don't know who she is. Right. Except for uh, Pepin's letter. They're kind of intimidated by her. They know that she's a papist. Yes. So they're they're nervous about that. But they feel that it would be the right thing to do to take her in and to just set that aside, which they do. And she very willingly and humbly works for them, Mm -hmm. almost silently, very austere. Like she's just silent. And she works for years and suddenly their household budget has become more plenteous than it ever was before yeah. under her, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Very capable shrewd, hands. capable, yes. yes. And she she dutifully cooks ale bread mm-hmm. and the fish. I think they have some kind of yes. pickled fish or herring or something that salted they herring eat, or something, yeah, yeah that they also eat. But she brings meals to the poor and sick because mm-hmm. that was the duty of the sisters right. to care for the dean's disciples and. Those poor and sick are doing quite well under Babette's <laughs> cooking. So it makes me wonder. I don't think she was bringing she was, them ale yeah. bread and <laughs> pickled and herring. And you see in the moving, moving, wow. In the movie, yes. you see her seeming to do forage out in the fields. It, so you, you kind of gather that she is using her ingenuity to, to create something. Exactly. And you Just see improve. 
the poor and the sick. I think there's a contrast. At one point, they're getting a meal from Martine and Philippa, and they're kind of going, oh, this doesn't (laughs) look very good. And when Babette shows up and they open the pot, there's this amazing food licking their lips, and and they suddenly look a lot healthier (laughs) Mm -hmm. than they were a few minutes before. Which could be another topic for another time. How we convalesce in America and terrible hospital food. (laughs) (laughs) Health for the body, health for the soul. Yeah. So um, let's see. How far are we? Where so did we stop? We mentioned that she was there. Yes. But we she haven't explained. Worked she for started them. cooking, right? Yes. 15 years, I think. Oh, yes. She yeah. was there a very long time and right. basically became a fixture of their community, right. but under the the restrictions of the austerity. Right. And I think that's really interesting that she does, she brings some of her creativity to it but she doesn't just she doesn't walk in and try to change things right she just lives there with gratitude i think for the protection Mm -hmm. and the care and the safety um i think it's probably also symbolic of her grief and loss yeah i think there's something to that as well Mm -hmm. that she's lost everything and she's lost her identity too yeah everything that made her who she was yeah um and then a moment comes when she may have a chance to reclaim it Mm mm-hmm um, she, let's see, every year she yes. had a friend or a relative, I think a friend in Paris mm-hmm. who buys her a lottery ticket. Just one every year, 15 years. And so far nothing had happened. And then on that 15th year, she won. 10,000 francs. Which was enough to, um, set her up back in Paris. If she liked, she could basically right. reclaim her identity. Cause this was a huge fortune right. at the time. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's what the sisters assume, is that that's what they've lost do. Babette, of course. And she has her fortune now. She'll go back to the life she once had. Yeah, And again, in that sort of self-denial, they right. agree that that would be the best thing. Right. You know, they don't want to mention it to her about her staying. And, you know, and yet yeah. they're saddened mm-hmm. to lose her. Um, but they're prepared. Yeah. They're going to give that up for mm-hmm. her because they're so, you know, they're happy for her. Right. Um, but Babette throws them a curveball. <laughs> she has one request and one request only, which is to uh, cook the feast for the Dean's, the celebration of the Dean's birthday. His correct? 100th birthday. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. And he has since passed away. Right. Quite but, a while ago. But his They're disciples remember his birthday as mm-hmm. sort of a quasi holy day, yes. a feast day, I guess you could uh-huh. say. Not really a holy day, but a feast day. Um, and even after Babette has been there for 15 years, they still have this hesitation and this nervousness yes. about her. And they tried to decline funny. it at first. Yeah. And she says something along the lines of, have I ever asked you even one thing? I'm like, well, no, no, you haven't. And she basically is for pointing any out favors to them, at all. Anything, yes. Right. Yeah. How this is her, their chance to give her a gift by accepting that she really wants to do this for them. Right. And they have no idea what they're getting into. And yet they feel they really must give this gift to her of accepting her gift to them. Um, Another fascinating look at generosity and what that means and how you can accept a gift from someone. And that can be generosity generosity to to them. them. Right. Um, We don't always see it that way in this day and age, you know, just why why should I have to accept that? And it's like, well, you're giving to someone by... You think that charity is an imposition on you or something. Right, right. And it's actually a way of giving back to the person. 
Yeah, there's, I guess you could say there's a sort of, a sort of noblesse oblige in mm-hmm. accepting a gift yeah. as well as Graciously giving one. accepting it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the long and short, I guess, at that point is that she does indeed cook a feast and they've prepared themselves for whatever may come, especially when she starts importing food. All these ingredients. It's things that they've probably never seen before. A live turtle and yes. quails and wine. <laughs> and you start to get the impression that these very austere Protestant ladies who haven't left their, their little village are expecting kind of a witch's brew. <laughs> I think they actually, because I think one of them has a nightmare at one point. Yes, in the movie, right. it's very clearly illustrated that they're they're fearful of what it means and not sure how to take it and just hoping that they won't displease God by right. it. Right. You know, they're just... And they determine that the best thing to do is because they've agreed to give this gift that they're going to trust God and just... Um, they, they gather the disciples and mm-hmm. warn them. And basically, yes. they all agree not to say anything about it. Yes, you know, it will be as if we were eat, not eating anything or something. One of the older ladies in the group says. Yeah, kind of a, you know, um, it's not what com- goes into a man that defiles right. him, but what comes out of a right. man. And yet and they're so- very concerned for all their asceticism. They're very concerned about what enters the mouth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're going to just take it stoically. And so it won't do any harm to them is kind of the, the concept that they have. Um, yes. To support the sisters who have agreed to it. They basically mm-hmm. want to take care of their little sisters. Right. right. <laughs> or, you know, quite older ladies now, but right. they're, they they're still, still, they still the protect them. Exactly. The yeah. So anyway, that, that sets the scene. And Babette begins to cook. And um, then at the very end, the disciples do all gather. Mm-hmm. The disciples including of the Including. Including. The general. The general, because who, his aunt who used to be a disciple in her younger years and hasn't traveled that far for many years mm-hmm. does decide to come because it's such a big deal. Right. And so he accompanies her. He happens and to be is visiting. the first time that he's seen Martin. Uh, thank you. And the others. Her. Yeah. And been in that house, been in the Dean's house. Um, and he is an incredibly helpful foil for the mm-hmm. whole feast scene. It's very powerful mm-hmm. because he, it turns out, has had Babette's cooking before yes. in Paris in the height of her success. And no one else even knows what and, the significance of it right. is. And it's such a, oh, it's not signature, but you know, it's, her skill is so great that it's like seeing the touch of a master painter or something. He recognizes the dishes and the way that she prepares There's things. There's no mistaking that it's right. hers. Right. Yes. And here he is, this incredibly successful, um, has everything you could possibly want mm-hmm. man. And he sits down at this table and suddenly the food starts coming out and no one around him understands what's going on. Yes. Um, they all... If he brings up the food, they talk about the weather. Yes. And as each, um, the, the wine comes out and he he's, takes a sip and realizes, what, what is this? Yes. 1860 or something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the, everyone at the table says, yes, it was very fine today, wasn't it? Or, <laughs> or just smiles and nods as if it's completely normal to right. be eating this. <laughs> and he's flummoxed to, yes. an, to the extreme. Um and it's it's a really great juxtaposition mm-hmm. because they are eating it and they are enjoying it to an extent, but they've sort of agreed not to enjoy yeah. it. They've agreed they've to tried not to let reject it affect it them. In a way. Yes. Right. 
Um, and yet over the course of the evening, as he is just more and more flummoxed by the meal, they are, all the disciples are resolving all these various issues mm-hmm. and petty squabbles that they've had over the years that were very distressing to the sisters because right. they're sort of view them as their flock mm-hmm. in the yeah. set of their father. And um, they haven't known how to fix it. Yeah. And it turns out that sitting down and eating this feast together brings them together and heals some brings of those. reconciliation yeah. right it's, yeah. it's kind of like their theology was all in their head before so they had their ducks all in a row um but oh. they weren't living it out and until babette's sort of very tangible goodness of god came and hit them like a wave they couldn't actually live out that yeah that grace until it would sort of serve them and then literally sort of on a plate. Spills, right. And then it mm-hmm. sort of spills back out to each other. Right. And suddenly they're laughing over old offenses instead yes. of picking on each other and, you know, hugging warmly. And right. just, um, it's not just a surface fellowship, it's true reconciliation and repentance, too. I mean, they go yeah. through the whole reference oh, that I did this to you. Right. And yes, I know you did. And all those yes. kinds of discussions. And meanwhile, the general is kind of an outsider. You know, yeah. he would very likely pity and look down on most of these people because they live, yes. they've lived in poverty. They've lived a simple life, whereas he's lived with the glitter and the glamour mm-hmm. of the who's who mm-hmm. of Paris. And, um, you know, as a general, he's, he's wealthy. And, yeah. And as he's getting ready for the feast, I think both the novella and the movie show this, you know, this kind of internal dialogue going on where he's even, in the movie, they show him like having a dialogue with his old self, mm. basically, his young, mm-hmm. the young man self who fell Was in love so with. Was so insecure and yeah. unsure of himself. Right. And, um, yeah. and he's so desperate to set out to prove that he has made the right decision by and he wants to prove it to the them, frame. to the disciples yeah. too, kind of yes. come back and be the man who's in control right. of the room. Right. Like he, and he believes he can, mm-hmm. which makes sense because they're simple people and he's right. gone and controlled even the most um, amazing and glamorous society. Right. He has been the man of the hour. The right. Yes. And so, so he, he's planning to walk in and just own the place. Yes. <laughs> and then he is the one knocked off his feet by what he's being served and just... And at their mercy, in a sense. And then these humble folks who <laughs> right. are just taking everything. And they're taking the food in a childlike way, actually. Yes. They really That's do. They they eat it like children who are being presented with something amazing. They mm-hmm. don't even know what it is. That's a really good point, yeah. actually. Yeah. It's the, <laughs> Which, I mean, is what, you know, children. when we feed our children, that's mm-hmm. the same sort of thing. They don't necessarily recognize mm-hmm. if you're presenting them with something amazing you know you spent all day working on it and it's just what mommy made me for dinner um but there is that childlike aspect that gives them the meal more fully than the general who was fully aware of yeah what he was eating and that's i think it's um on the way to the feast that he makes that fascinating quote uh, can, as he's pondering over his life, he says to himself, can the sum of a row of victories over many years be defeat? Basically, can you have gained the whole world and lost, lost your soul? soul? Yeah. And he, he's expecting to come out the victor. And ultimately, these very simple folk actually have more richness. 
Um, they, and and part, some of that really is in the fellowship because mm-hmm. I think the general is kind of an island. He's kind of right. a man unto himself. And yeah. um, despite all of the people around mm-hmm. him, he doesn't have true fellowship. And we see that with uh, Achille Papin too, the other mm. suitor of, um, of I, Philippa. Of yeah, Philippa, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, when he writes the letter introducing Babette, is kind of at the end of his career now. He's an older man. He's no True. longer the great star. Yeah. And he writes something about, you know, I imagine that you must at this point be surrounded by many wonderful, happy children. All You know, he's obviously imagining that she must have this beautiful, full life while he is dwindling and completely alone. Right. Very poignant yeah. loss because his, his rise has become a fall now yeah. and it's yeah. just he's already reached his peak and is declining right. basically and she doesn't have what he thinks she would have but at the same time her life has been a life of laying down her life for others and then you see uh, again with the whole culmination of the movie and the restoration of fellowship among the villagers there is that sense of not Fa- being family. alone a family right. yeah yeah a community basically mm-hmm. Um, and and that, along with the feast, is a very it is that um, embodiment of human life. Basically, you yeah. see that that there's a more richness there than yes. what the general pursued and what Achille Papin pursued, in spite of the asceticism, even which is something I hadn't noticed. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's the asceticism once Babette has broken through, right? In which other words, gives you it kind that balance or that. that yeah, uh, I'm trying to think how to. Hmm. Sort of opens the door. Their their sacrifice of self made them ready for, for the, her for her gift. gift. Yeah, in a way that the others couldn't receive hmm. as much. Interesting, because they because they've been serving themselves just, all along. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's um definitely go watch it. Our summary um is. It's sort of a a quick once over, but doesn't do it, it justice. It really is it, the beauty of the film is the thing that strikes me every mm-hmm. time I watch it. Yes. There's something that is just beautiful about it. Um, the very end again is very simple. It's very simple music. I remember yes. too. There's mm-hmm. just one last note as a candle goes out mm-hmm. in the window pane. I think, and it's just, um, but the simplicity leaves you with this feeling of just. Um. Uh, well, let's see. This is a good, maybe a good way to put it. There was a poet, I think, who said that when she read great poetry, it made her nose tingle. Or another one had said, I've I've heard someone say that it takes the top of your head mm. off. You know that feeling when you've mm. read something mm-hmm. that it affects you, and it can be very simple. Mm-hmm. But when you've met it or seen it. It gives you that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain, but that movie does this for you. me. It sort of takes the yeah. top of my head off, if you want yes. to put it that way. It gives you that tingling on the back of your neck or something. Anyway, so it, it is and, it is unique in that sense. And should we go ahead and give away the ending ending? Yes, after? I think so. We may as well. Think, you know, we've gone so yes. far. Sorry, <laughs> we, you all. We warned you that there will be spoilers. Pause uh, so. now. <laughs> so after Babette prepares this incredible feast and the village has come together through this feast and been reconciled basically um in a, in a very sacramental way um and that i forgot to mention they even end with doxology literally they mm, yes. sing they gather and sing in the square 
And again, that kind of childlike theme, it looks almost funny watching it, like they're children just singing together, and yet there's that beautiful simplicity and joy. They kind of start dancing in the right, snow, right. kicking the snow, sort of, yeah, right. yeah. And singing hallelujah, or one guy raises his arms to heaven. He said hallelujah at a number of times throughout the movie because he's hallelujah. hard of hearing. Yes. yes. And that's kind of all he says in response to everything. Yes. But this time, you can tell that it's heartfelt. Yes. And just exuberance of gratitude um so anyways after the meal wraps up everyone goes home the sisters go and thank babette for the feast and prepare to say goodbye and prepare to say goodbye right and then for giving us this one last gift basically yes and then um babette tells them who she was and one of the sisters the one who was the singer Mm -hmm. who has that more artistic temperament um realizes basically what Babette did. Mm -hmm. She realizes that this was a gift because, you know, even by the end of the meal, none of the villagers understand what has happened to Mm -hmm. them really. Mm -hmm. And this sister. And the sisters also had not acknowledged. And then they find out that Babette will not be going back to Paris because she has spent every penny on this meal because that's, that's what the, this meal would cost in Paris. Yeah. What is, the, the Danish phrase is, was it something that keeps coming up? Like 10,000 francs? Yes. Yes. <laughs> 10,000 francs all completely gone. Yes. And that's, yes. So she tells him who she was and the sister. And Philippa does Philippa, realize. Right. Yeah. That she gave away more than just the financial gift, that this was a gift of herself, a gift of something that, the others that she knew the others would not appreciate, but mm. that she gave anyway. Mm. And um, she says this really uh, I- iconic, I think, to any everyone who has seen it, it sticks with you. This line, uh, if I can find, I don't want to mess it up by misquoting right it. in the movie. At the, uh, it comes is. at the very, very end. Yes. So that's a very it's a poignant. It ending. is very poignant, and yeah. it's also it's what Achille Papin had said to her. In, in the his letter, letter, right? In his letter. To Philippa, yeah. So, to Philippa, and then she says it to Babette. Which is sort of like as bestowing an a gift that's been it bestowed is. on her. I she, think it's a really right. beautiful gift. She recognizes, yeah. I think, that she doesn't have the technical ability to appreciate what she received as mm-hmm. far as, you know, knowing how fine the wine was. But she knows that it's some, She knows that it's beyond anything she can imagine. Right. And she says, uh, there, and well. Quoting what Achille says, Achille's quote was, In paradise, I shall hear your voice again. There you will be the great artist God meant you to be. Oh, how you will enchant the angels. Mm. So Babette takes the second part of that. Of you, you know, In paradise, you will uh, be the great artist God meant you to be, and you will enchant the angels. Oh, how you will enchant the angels. Yes. And it's such a moving moment um, because I think it's Babette's, as much as she could be acknowledged and lauded in Paris, there's a sense in which these sisters have truly known her mm-hmm. for the artist she is. And in Paris, in a unique way. she wasn't giving away everything she had. And she was just an artist has. in her prime doing it all the time. And here, not and only getting was she a lot artist, in return, she actually. sacrificed everything. Yes. Yeah. And in this case, she doesn't get anything in return, right. per se, except people's acceptance of her yeah. gift. And now she doesn't have anything to go back to right. as far as that financial cushion right. that she had received finally after 15 years. So the sisters find out she's chosen to mm-hmm. stay with them um, despite despite her big winnings that she right. had and that she'd given it all away. So it, it's that, that ending is very moving. And 
all in all, the film, I think, from a from the perspective of hospitality, which is what we've sort of been processing mm-hmm. through that lens, you know, it, it, it really encourages and makes you eager to give that mm-hmm. kind of hospitality when you see how it um, how it affects people people Mm -hmm. you know that that overwhelming generosity which is very christ-like because there are and and you know god makes a beautiful sunset every day whether there's someone there to see it or not you know and And even all around the world even in our own lives like how you know who among us can say that they are fully aware of all the grace that god has shown right right (laughs) Right. oh yes i i know that he gave me a nice i know all the details yes yeah um apple trees that are laden down with apples and no one ever picks them but Mm -hmm. they're just there because it's lavish gracious generosity Mm -hmm. from god to the to the whole world yes um, encompasses the whole world um and so that's definitely the kind of generosity and hospitality we want to show obviously we um, we met 10,000 Franken to I know. do. <laughs> Nor the training, you know, there's yes. always that feeling of, well, I, I have less, less ability to give than I would like. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just, I think, an encouragement to practice mm-hmm. and gain skill. And the more mm-hmm. skill you have, the more you have to give away. Mm-hmm. And um, the disciplines of practicing hospitality um, end up just making you more capable over time of giving more basically yeah it's not getting to keep it's getting to give right exactly Um, and that's i think giving to give a gift to someone else versus giving to keep is fundamentally the difference between hospitality and entertaining Hmm. because there's been i this is probably something that we want to talk about in another episode but just Mm. to open it that can of worms a little bit um so growing up french yeah my family tended to have a a very formal view of (laughs) hospitality tended to have a very formal view of hospitality Mm. and so i remember starting to read articles that were circulating in christian circles Mm -hmm. um, about you know kind of this idea of authentic hospitality versus entertaining more recently i think think, yeah in the past five ten years authenticism is definitely a thing lately cult of authenticity right yes (laughs) and uh, i i think that in post-modernity and authentic casual culture um, we've tended to draw this false dichotomy between that which is messy and that which is put on and Mm, formal mm, so mm. if it's formal it must just be entertaining because you want to one-up the joneses next door Mm, mm. and if it's you know, off the pizza cuff, come, yeah. Off the cuff is yeah. seen as being more real, right? More genuine, even. Right. And that I think that there's there's certainly a reality to off the cuffness, but that doesn't award it the genuineness award. Mm-hmm. You know, right. here we go. We're genuine if right. we're flying by the seat of our pants. Right. You and know? I think the real <laughs> difference is what are you doing with it? Are you using it to love others? Whether it's pizza, right, or you know, rice and beans, or Gaillon sarcophage, mm-hmm. one of the dishes in Babette's yes. piece. You know, if it's getting out the finest china because you want to love your neighbor and give mm. them that kind of blessing or to show them that honor, or is it because you want them to know that you can afford that kind mm-hmm. of china? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's ultimately the difference, and we've kind of ignored that by drawing this false dichotomy. And there's, there's, you know, there's some of knowing, sort of knowing 
who you're giving to, because you'd always give a gift that's amazing, but you did it selfishly Mm -hmm. for many and in many different angles. You know, there's times when pizza down by the fire pit is probably Mm -hmm. the best gift because someone's weary and, you know, sitting in a formal dinner would be difficult for them right right now, or Or they've never done it before. And so they would just Mm -hmm. feel so awkward, you know, but then there's other times when you know that you could elevate the meal to mm-hmm. something different and show a unique honor to that person mm-hmm. by working all day to prepare the dish. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and when they're ready to receive that, mm-hmm. that gift to give it wholeheartedly, um, even if you don't think that they can appreciate all the work that right, into definitely it. don't the judging the hospitality and how much you should give by how much they can appreciate it. Right. That's definitely something that you can learn from Babette. Don't right. do that. You know, <laughs> we, again, with children, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you introduce them to all kinds of fine things, Mm -hmm. whether it's music or art or poetry or or food. And you don't say, well, because you're young and immature, you can't appreciate this. You don't wait until they're worthy. That's not what God does. (laughs) Right, right. How else do you bring elevate them? but by gifting this to them, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm getting ready to teach a little art class to six Mm -hmm. and seven year olds Mm -hmm. with a, um, uh, George Surratt painting, um, which is fine art. It's a pointillist piece. And I'm talking to them about it. They're six and seven. They're going to forget a lot of it. They're probably not going to grasp half of what I'm saying, but we're going to practice painting our own. And the idea is to give them the gift of knowing what this Mm -hmm. is and so that they have eyes for it in the future, basically teaching Um, them to love things. Right. Even before they understand what exactly those things are often. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's a, um, kind of a fun way to process it. It's a helpful way to process the idea of hospitality. Mm -hmm. Um, we're, um, going to be, looking forward to talking more about it. I think we'll be reading, um, the supper of the lamb. Yes. by Robert so Capon. excited for that. Yes. So if you want to uh, uh, read with us and then join the conversation on the next podcast, mm-hmm. I'd really encourage that. It's an excellent book, has some great recipes in it mm-hmm. also, written by a man who you know truly loves food. And in fact, he talks about the concept of an amateur, which yes. is something that has inspired us as we've been podcasting. Mm-hmm. We don't know all about the stuff that we're talking about. We you know we jump in and we try to find people who do know a lot about right. it and we talk about their books or their movies or whatever, but but we love what we're mm-hmm. talking about. And that is something that we want to always um, always have in our mind's yeah. eye when we're talking about these different things is what is an amateur? Amateur mm-hmm. is someone who loves a thing and wants to grow and learn right. more about it. Um, and Robert Capon calls himself an amateur about food and basically says that is his qualification because for talking be, right. about the food. literal word amateur is from amator right. lover. Yep. Yes. <laughs> we also are amateurs about Latin and we love it. Oh, so. let's get another episode on Latin. Yes. yes I think that one's coming up. <laughs> be prepared. Um, so anyway, all that to say, um, we're excited about discussing hospitality mm-hmm. more. And if you want to jump in with us on the supper of the lamb, that's where we're headed next. Book. Yes. <laughs> and um, if you as our listeners have any questions um that you just want to kind of you know bring into the conversation and um we, we might not have answers <laughs> but we can talk about it we'd love, love to discuss to, it yeah. yeah or tips 
other titles on hospitality also yes. because we're mm-hmm. always looking for um, new topics, new books mm-hmm. to read and right. new angles on this topic. It's mm-hmm. a favorite. So definitely uh, send us a quick note. Yes. Um, you can send us a message on our Instagram or um, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. So, well, until next time, we'll look forward to talking about hospitality more later. All right. Bye, Lydia. <laughs> Bye, Valerie.